Hello, Westside, and everybody watching this message or listening to it through our podcast. My name is Adam, and I am so excited that you are uh, in worship and joining us for the final week in our Waypoint series, Finding the Place You Are Gifted and Called. A waypoint is a set of two coordinates. So our hope with this uh, month of January has been getting closer to what Frederick Beekner described. He was an author and theologian, and he said this, The place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Last week, we talked about admitting our weaknesses. And despite several excellent excuses we may have uh, to be fearful of what God's call might be in our lives, our excuses don't excuse us from service. And, and, And even though we may have lots of good reasons to try and dismiss ourselves or, or to be afraid of, of what a next step might be, friends, the risk is worth the reward. I, I think one of the hardest things in life to do is to exceed high expectations. Now, I try and save my sports analogy moments for when they'll count the most, and what better time to talk about our guy, Patty Mahomes, than the week before the Super Bowl. I mean, when you throw 50 touchdowns, set all kind of records, and then win the MVP your first year as a starter, where can you go from there? Where can you possibly go up from, from Patrick's first season? Super Bowl expectations are what the Chiefs have been experiencing. This year, Mahomes has battled injury but he's also battled heightened expectations. Man, the other day after the AFC title game win, I saw a show on ESPN talking about is Mahomes only great because of his weapons? Oh, now y'all gone done it. I, I just can't even with this. I, I'm not even gonna dignify the argument with the, with the response. I saw this on TV, I got so upset. What, what are they talking about? I was infuriated. I was infuriated. I can't with this. For the Chiefs, anything short of a Super Bowl is going to be a disappointment. And that's the way it's going to be as long as MV Pat is our quarterback. Now, there's some people for whom high expectations are, are too much pressure to handle. This is one of the reasons that it's hard to claim our strengths. A lot of times, if we're honest, we would rather lower expectations so that we could exceed them rather than raise the bar and risk falling short of high expectations. It's hard to claim our strengths because we're afraid of failing. That was Moses' problem last week, and we're gonna see the same factor at play in our scripture this week. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a great story about uh, an employer going away on a trip and leaving his employees with three different investments of money. We'll pick up the story in verse 14. This comes from Matthew 25. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Now, this, this famous parable or story of Jesus is also known to a lot of people uh, as the parable of the talents. A talent was a weight, a measurement uh, of a denomination of money. It was about 75 pounds worth of silver. 
So in, in modern day's terms, uh, we can understand just a little bit of just how much of an investment this employer was making in his employees. So a talent was about 10,000 days wages or about $400,000 a piece. So the three different servants were given $400,000. That was the one bag. $800,000, that was the two bags. And $2 million, that was the five bags. So we can see the master is not messing around. He's literally invested in his employees. I love this line that he left them different amounts of money that were divided in proportion to their abilities. One guy got one bag, one guy got two bags, and one guy got five. I had a friend who would refer to people that had a lot of gifts and abilities as five baggers. I just love that. Right, like how much energy in our life have we wasted being envious or stressed out by the person who's a five bagger rather than concentrating on how we can use the one bag that we've got? Let's read on. Let's find out what these folks did with theirs. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Whoa. One of these things is not like the other. It's not going to go well for this guy, is it? The one who buried his in the ground. Because the boss man was eventually going to come back. So let's see how that went. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant to who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So the master made a good prediction with these two, right? Because he gave them different amounts according to their abilities, and they both came through. One servant gained five more bags and the other servant gained two more. What does this message reveal about the character of God? I, I think we can learn so much about God in this interaction, right? Because God is clearly, the master, is clearly invested in as much as the process as he was with the prophet, right? Because the servants, even though they got different results, the master's response was the same. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Now let me put you in charge of many more. The results were different, but the master's response was the same. I love that. I believe God is, is just as concerned with, with what we do with what we've been given as, as, as he is with the result of what we do with it. Right? What an amazing characteristic of God that the celebration of the servants would be the same even though one earned more. Their results were different, but the response was the same. Now let's check in with the third guy. See how that goes. See, he didn't go to Merrill Lynch or Charles Schwab. He didn't make a pitch on Shark Tank. He didn't do anything. Let's see what he did or didn't do. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, 
I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. I was at an airport one time at like nine in the morning and I went to a Cinnabon and they were like, sorry, sir, we don't have any Cinnabons. And it was awkward because it was like, well, what is y'all doing? Your Cinnabon, that's your one job. I, I don't understand. Similarly, this guy had one job to invest the master's money, but he didn't do anything with it. There's a phrase that sticks out to me in our last scripture. It's what keeps us from discovering our gifts and our call, and it keeps us from serving God. Many times fear keeps us from responding to God because what was the stated reason that the servant gave for why he hid his master's money in the ground? I was afraid. We talked about this last week too. The excuses that we make because we're afraid. His master did not take well to this third servant's risk-averse approach. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think it's worth pointing out that this third servant didn't come back with no money. He had the master's original investment, yet the master still reacted the way he did. The problem with the third servant wasn't was what he was or wasn't given. It was how he used it. Then the response of the master might strike us as a little harsh. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But for those who do nothing, even what they have will be taken away. I'm convinced that the master's response would have been different if this third servant would have come back with nothing, but at least tried something. I think that's what the master is after. Because this third one didn't even do the bare minimum to make any investment with his master's money because he was so afraid. All he did was bury the silver in the ground. Anything is better than nothing. The master was upset because the third guy didn't do anything. And because of that, the servant's gift had gone to waste. Just like the servants in the story, we are each different people given different gifts. But there's still only one expectation. To use the gifts God has given you to the best of your ability. I'm convinced that what God wants from us could be a lot of things. It could look a lot of different ways. All God wants from us is to take the risk to try something. When we do this, no matter what the results, we'll get the same response that we heard in this great parable. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's celebrate together. Don't you want to hear that? That for me is like my life goal. That's, that's the ultimate end of, of being a Christian, to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or as another translation says, come share your master's happiness. Man, I want to be like the first two in this story, not the third. So how do we do that? It's up to us to invest the gifts that we've been given, to do something with them, not just bury them in the ground because we're scared. 
Back in the first week, we talked about searching for purpose. And then our purpose is first to someone, not something. And then our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that we glorify God when we use our gifts well. And that could look a lot of different ways. Next, we try and identify the gifts we've been given and how we can use those for the sake of others in order to glorify God. I first took the Clifton Strengths Assessment in 2009, and it changed my life. I even went full out dork and got my little coat on, got my little Clifton Strengths jacket on here for you. All right, the, the, the assessment gave me some language to begin to understand some of the gifts that I had received and maybe had never perceived of that way. And it, it helped me not be so jealous of the five baggers. I learned to focus on what I did have instead of what I lacked and how to put these gifts to work to help me in other areas where I wasn't nearly as strong. Now, I told you in the first week of the series that my top five strengths, according to this Clifton Strengths Assessment, are strategic, positivity, activator, communication, and woo. Woo stands for winning others over. It means you have the gift of gab. It means you're energized by, by being around uh, lots of people. And in many ways, I'm fortunate because I get to hang out with hundreds of people every Sunday. And, and I get to talk to a lot of them for about 15 seconds at a time. This is a process that some of y'all are like, oh, that, that would be the worst. I'm energized by it. I love it. I think it's great. And so my strengths align with what's expected of me in, in many ways, but not in every way. You want to hear some of my bottom ones? Harmony, 33. Being low harmony means it doesn't really bother me if someone disagrees with what I think. Does that sound very pastoral to you? Another one, discipline, 32. If our mission is to make new disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, you think that's gonna require a little bit of discipline? It will, something I lack. Low discipline means I don't do real well with a lot of highly detailed, regularly occurring tasks. I would much rather go with the flow. Right now I have low discipline, but I have high strategy. And what that meant was I had to come up with a strategy to be disciplined in order to do the things expected of me, in order to capitalize on my gifts. I'm an absolute beast about my calendar. I put a 20 minute reminder and a five minute reminder for every single event I have in there to help prevent myself from being flighty and low discipline and, and just forgetting, right? And this has been important to me because I just can't excuse myself as, as behaving unharmoniously or having a total lack of discipline and be like, that's just the way I am. That's not how the world works. We understand this. I had to figure out how to do the things expected of me while capitalizing on my own gifts and investing in them. I'd invite you to join me on January 31st and February 1st for our Waypoint workshop. Uh, we're gonna have to close down registration like on Monday, so the day after uh, we experience this message. And we've got a ton of great responses already. I'd love for you to join us. We're gonna be giving you some of these tools to reflect on your own gifts and calling. And ultimately, we can take all kind of personality assessments. You know, whether you're an Enneagram person, that's great. You're a Myers-Biggs person. I can never keep all the letters straight, but that's great too. And, and all these things help us become more self-aware. Like, whose favorite subject isn't themselves, right? Little tip, if you're ever on a date and you don't know what to say, just ask the other person about themselves. It's easy. Um, but but self-awareness isn't the end goal, in, in my mind, for all of these assessments. No, no, no. 
Self-awareness is a good thing, but it's continuing to invest in our strengths and putting them to work that makes the difference. Because if all you do is understand or kind of spit out your top five strengths, you might as well bury them in the ground. What are you doing with them? That's really the question. It takes time and energy and humility to think about how you've been gifted or not. And, 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 and to consider God's high expectation that we would use the gifts we've been given. It's risky because when, when you claim a strength, you're raising expectations. But like we said two weeks ago, there's also a risk in not claiming a strength because you are leaving potentially great things God may have for you undone. I love the quote by poet Anais Nin. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in the bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Friends, the risk is worth the reward. We may be fearful and we may have a lot of excuses. I'm too old. I'm too young. I I lack the resources. I don't have the right education. I'm too busy. On and on. We can make a long list of excuses. But remember, our excuses do not excuse us from service. This is our purpose, to take the gifts we've been given and to use them to glorify God. I think there's a lot of ways you can do that and you're probably closer than you think. I hope you're just as encouraged by these words from the New Testament as I am. This is from 1 Peter chapter four. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. May we each be willing to take the risk and try something to bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we will experience this reward until the day we finally hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And everybody said, amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the investment that you have made in us that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And may we have the courage to push beyond our several excellent reasons to be afraid, that, that we would not let the risk of failure prevent us from using well what we've been given. I thank you for the variety of gifts that you have placed in this community and the many, many ways that we can go about doing your will to fulfill our purpose of glorifying you. Help us to make the most of what we've been given, God. Help us resist the temptation to play it safe and just bury him in the ground. And help us remember that you are the God who is just just as concerned with the process as you are with the prophet. And even though our results may differ, and, and, and the amount of gifts we've been given may vary, that your response is the same. Help us to strive to hear those words someday. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.